Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Again, I don't know what time you're listening to this. I'm Dan Klein, this is I'm Bored, and I am joined today by a very longtime friend, someone I actually believe I gave her a start in the field she works in now. Uh, her name is Don Alcott. She is the editor of Geek Travel Guide. She is a freelance writer for all sorts of places. Uh, I don't know which ones I'm allowed to mention, so I won't necessarily mention any of them. Uh, but Don, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Great, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Isn't this a little weird, like being like all like professional and pretending this is a radio show as opposed to we're just kind of catching up and having a conversation we might have had anyway, uh, but sharing it with a lot of people? Yes, it definitely is, especially considering I think the the last time we talked on the phone, well, it was like two months ago, but the time before that, that we actually had a phone conversation was probably years I, I think that's probably true. We um, worked together at uh, first a newspaper I owned many, many years ago, and then uh, at a trade magazine company that I think you still do some work for today, so I won't name them, uh, but a, a, a lovely place that got me my start, my first job out of college, and I believe you replaced me as uh, the editor of a now-defunct magazine called uh, Band and Orchestra? That's how it happened, yes. So... At the time, did you play any instruments? No. <laughs> no, me, me either. So back-to-back -back <laughs> editors of Band and Orchestra magazine uh, who, who did not uh, – I don't think I've ever held a band instrument, let alone played one. So, uh, I've, I've played a few since then. Um, I, I remember messing around with an electric violin, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I guitar a couple of times and never I don't have that talent I uh I took a year's worth of guitar lessons and you know one-on-one -on -one with the teacher this is right before I went to work at Guitar World magazine and one day I went in and the teacher said look like if you're not going to take this seriously I don't want to keep teaching you like do you practice and I said to him you know at the time I was probably like 28 I said I'm gonna I'm an adult male paying you for lessons I practice at least a half hour a day I'm just really bad uh, and and now I know and I've told this story on, on, on other shows maybe not this show now I know that he was a bad teacher that he should have either skipped over what I was having trouble with which was the G chord or found something else some other way to help me make progress instead of more or less just making me so discouraged that after a year I put the guitar down and and that's why I'm not the next Eric Clapton which I otherwise would have been had I had I stuck with it of course <laughs> but that is not our topic today. So we are going to talk a couple of different Disney things. The first of which is, why don't you detail the article you wrote that I sort of uh, tease you about? Ah, okay. So yeah, um, on on geek, and it's interesting to to sort of go back to talking about band and orchestra for a second and talking about neither of us played an instrument. I have always believed that you don't have to do something to write about it well. You don't even need to know all that much about it. So Geek Travel Guide is my new website that is probably for the first time in my life something where I am writing about something that other than paintball, which I, we, I don't even know if we're going to talk about that, but this is the first time I'm writing about things that I loved about before I started writing about them. So I grew to love 
every industry I write in, and I won't talk about any of them because we can't, but um, Geek Travel Guide is my passion project, and I talk about travel, and I talk about Disney, and we talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and all our favorite geek stuff. Um, so as as the the pandemic happened, we wanted to just get content out there that would basically give people who were bored something to watch, like just dig back into the archives and think about our favorite movies of all times, movies that had an impact on our lives, books to read, anything streaming free. So I got it. This started, this story started with Upward because it's the new movie with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt and we didn't get to see it in theaters. So we went to, um, we got it on demand as soon as it came out and yeah, I felt and, and it was this worth to be, paying this the money to be for. clear for, for those of us who aren't super into this world uh, this is the new Pixar movie and it had the yeah. very strange problem of it was supposed to open for what would have been school vacation for a lot of kids here in the south uh, and mm -hmm. it opened sort of right before we knew the extent of what the coronavirus pandemic would do to theaters. So it had a sort of middling opening for a Pixar movie. I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say 60 million. Uh, and then it probably would have had very long legs, but instead it had no legs because all the theaters closed. So Disney put it out for rent at, I want to say it was $20, somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. And they haven't released any numbers, but I would assume an awful lot of parents stuck home with kids have seen it. And this prompted you to do a list of the top 10 Pixar movies. Is that, is that fair to say? That's exactly it. And you got there a lot faster than I probably would have. Um, and and, and yeah. the, re the reason I bring this up, and every time I say this online, I get like 10,000 people telling me how like Toy Story changed their lives. Um, but I simply do not understand this whole like adult refrain that Pixar movies are somehow like not just for the kids because other than Cars, the first one, which is basically Rocky, but with animated cars and every sports movie has roughly that same plot. Uh, other than that, there is nothing on this list I find even marginally enjoyable. Um, it, most of the story, and, and again, I, I guess I'm getting it wrong because everyone loves it, but I've told this story a few places. My son and I were watching Up. He was a fairly little kid. And about halfway through the movie, he turns to me and says, when does it start? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. And like, how is that not a boring movie? Like, defend Up to me. First of all, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember the impact that it had on me, and it was such a tearjerker. And to me, a movie that's good is one that stays with you that you wind up kind of quoting for a while. You know, the whole, the dog with the squirrel thing and the dog with the collar that let him talk, which is now actually technology that they, they have available. You can put... It's not available for cats, but you can put a collar on your dog, and when your dog barks, it will come out as curses. So, just, you know. Um, but back to Up, I just felt it was so moving, and what I liked about it was no movies, none of the Disney movies really ever covered old people, and it was just so sweet. And I, I just, everything about it, it made me cry, it made me laugh, and that's what all the Pixar movies mostly that are on my list do. They, they were just great. And 
every you are the first person you and your son are the first two people i've ever heard from that actually didn't like the movie and yes it did get off to a little bit of a slow start and at times you're like well what's with the balloons but i just thought it was enjoyable it much like you know i'll argue with toy story which again i'm sure is a brilliant movie for kids and I recognize I've, I've watched a lot more movies. I've, I've worked in and around entertainment a little bit, um, but I'm watching up and like two minutes in, you know every single thing that's gonna happen and every kind of manipulative movie, the movie the, they're gonna make. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the same thing about WALL-E. I get it. It was like some sort of message about how, you know, we're lazy in the environment, but it was also clumsy that, that I don't know, like these are kids' movies that, it's fine to like them. Like I'll, I'll argue that the regular Disney movies until recently are largely sort of bad messages. Uh, like we've talked, we've talked about the little mermaid. I don't think you should really leave your family and your species for just a guy you saw. Like that seems <laughs> when you're like 15, <laughs> right? Be- Beauty and the beast. D- do you remember why Belle is shunned besides that she's wearing her hair back, which is the universal sign of I'm beautiful if I let my hair down. But d- do you remember why she's shunned? Cause she's smart and she likes books. Yeah. She likes, she likes books. So the the message we're giving to our little girls. Now, look, has that gotten better? Yes, I saw Wreck-It Ralph 2, which I didn't particularly care for, but it it had a much more positive take on princesses. I think expanding Disney princesses to include Princess Leia has been a fairly strong positive. So so they've learned from this. But okay, if there's one movie on that list that you you think I'm wrong about, uh, that we haven't talked about, tell me what it is. That well, it's it's my top ten list of favorites. So I would say all of them. What's number um, one on the I list? Would have, I, well, Cars is number one on the list, and that's the one that you agree with me yeah, about. I, that it's definitely a decent movie. I think to quote you. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Cars. It was you know again, it's every sports movie ever. Yeah, yeah, and Owen Wilson, and he he was just great in it, and it. A lot of people, what I think is great about the Pixar movies, and obviously you're the one of the exceptions to this rule, is the grownups do enjoy them. And maybe it's the predictability of the plot that we like, because you kind of do know what's going to happen, but you want to stay along for the ride anyway to see the jokes, to look. Speaking as a Disney fan, you look for the Disney Easter eggs in the movies. You like seeing your characters in unusual settings. I mean, um, Tom Hanks and what's his name? Drawing a blank on the name, but Buzz Lightyear is, you know, the home improvement guy. Uh, Tim Allen. You got Tom Holland, you got Chris Pratt. I, I, but, but okay, I so enjoy seeing that. I, I know you enjoyed Avengers Endgame. Oh yeah. So what if at the beginning of Avengers Endgame, uh, the Hulk came out, he's Professor Hulk, and he opens up a book and he says, we're going to tell you the tale of how Iron Man dies, saving the universe. <laughs> that, that would dramatically change the impact of what happens in that movie. And I apologize, if you haven't seen it, that's, this is not a spoiler. That movie came out like, what, eight months ago? Yeah. Oh, more than that. It was, I, I remember sort of the mourning period afterward when all you wanted to do was talk to people about it, but you couldn't because you didn't know who had seen it and who hadn't. Yeah, and, and, and 
there was also like a period where I was obsessively reading like who everyone was at the funeral and every aspect of that movie with the possible exception of once you saw uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow and one of them had to die, clearly it was going to be the one who is it doesn't have the family when the two of them are deeply friends. <laughs> like, yeah. like the, the, yeah. Other than that scene, everything about that movie was surprising. Uh, the, the latest Star Wars movie, which was good, not great, how they got where they were going was largely surprising. Like, I, I don't know. And it feels like the, the Pixar movies don't have that. Um, and admittedly, I haven't seen them all. I watched Toy Story 4 in a pool on a cruise ship, which is probably the least engaging way you could, you could watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, okay. Well, movie night at an elementary school would, would rank up there too, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm also not a big fan. We have screen on the green here, and you can go, I think it's like on Friday nights, and watch like a movie outside. And my ability uh. to like sit on a blanket for two hours is not, not super strong. Yeah. Uh, but moving yeah, on. Yeah, I don't like outdoor movies. For the, We did it with uh, Pete's Dragon over the summer on the beach. And I don't like it for that reason. It's just uncomfortable. And the kids want to run around because obviously they're outside. Nobody's really paying attention. The picture quality is poor. It's like, uh, no thanks. Yeah, I, and um, I think that's more the goal of it is to be like, a distraction and the kids are running around. I've done it on a couple of occasions. Um, it's better for sporting events. I'm a fan of, you know, uh, well, you've been to the house in Davenport. The, we have a vacation home near Disney, which you've stayed at, and we're going to talk about Disney next. Sometimes the neighbors across the street for the Super Bowl will rent a big inflatable uh, projector and have a party and you can watch the Super Bowl. And because, if your team's not in it and you don't have to watch every play, that's a really fun way to be outside and watch something. But if it's a movie yeah. where you have to follow along, I find that way less enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Like I would say the only movies you want to see in that environment are ones you've seen a thousand times that you're just watching for like your favorite mo mo uh, moments and everything. That, um, yeah. And so yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned the predictability because that was the one thing that I said about Onward and I won't, the ending will surprise you if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and that is a spoiler because it just came out, but the rest of it was very predictable too. And looking over the list, I would say that The Incredibles had some good plot twists that were fun. Monsters, Inc. was basically very straightforward and you kind of, if you took the time to think about it, you knew what was going to happen. But I think looking at it from a point of view of parents too who have these movies on as background noise when you have like a two to five year old and this is especially right now when everybody's home with their kids when you have a movie that you just want to keep your kids engaged that isn't going to make you want to rip your ears out every pixar movie fits that requirement oh, you can catch moments of it and be like oh yeah laugh at that scene oh i love that that was cool the songs and, and people and who tell it doesn't matter how many times you play them they have staying power that i'm fine with people who tell me like they don't mind having it on look we watched the one where will smith is a shark it's not a pixar movie but it's like a, a knockoff yeah. of a pixar movie Probably, yeah. probably like 300 times. The 1980s Transformers cartoon, which is dreadful, but I'm a, I'm a Transformers fan. Joshua, when he was young, probably watched that, you know, you know, 100 times, maybe more. So I am totally fine with I literally just wrote an article about 
you know, how you work from home when your kids are at home. And one of the things I said in it is give yourself permission that working is taking care of your kids. So if you have to work to make money, and that means you have to put, I think cars was the example I used, you have to put cars in because it will distract them for 90 minutes, then go ahead and do that. You know, so I'm, I'm fine with that. But I'm not sitting down myself and watching the Incredibles. Like, like that just seems weird. But anyway, moving on to talk about Disney. So let me ask you the question. I think I've asked every person I've discussed Disney with. Have you ever cried at Disney? Have I ever cried at Disney? I've seen most parents I've ever met with at Disney that have younger kids. At some point, the stress of it gets to them, and they are maybe not literally crying, but they're swearing in a public place, saying how much they want to leave and how miserable they are. Have you had that moment? No. Really? Okay, well... Ever. That's why I said when, when you said we we're going to talk about how to, you know, hey, how to not cry at Disney. I was like, well, kids or parents, I, I think, you know, tearing up maybe during breakfast when I see my daughter chasing Stitch and I'm happy tears that I'm able to give her this moment. But mm, no, I, I've never uh, see, gotten I, I... to that point of frustration. I absolutely have. Ba- back when we didn't live here. So when Disney meant, you know, we would rent a condo. So you've got that expense. Uh, you'd rent a car. There's an expense. You flew there. There's an expense. Uh, there's only three of us. So five day tickets for three people probably were like, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars back when we weren't, yeah, re- weren't residents. Uh, they're way more now, but, <laughs> but this is, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, and you go, and I've never been an, I'm going to get there at 6 a.m. and be there till midnight and get every minute. <laughs> but sometimes, and I, you, you know me, I've read every guidebook. I know how the fast passes work. I've done all the planning you can do. And sometimes you're there and you're like, really? There's a 45-minute wait for the carousel of progress? Like, like that ride sucks. <laughs> like, like, or, 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 or you find yourself in the tiki room because it's the only thing there is to do. And you realize that like, I, I'd walk out of the tiki room if it was showing on a plane. That is how bad that, that performance is and, and how dated it is. So yeah, I've, I've had those moments where like you've spent all this money your kid's tired of waiting in line. There is no such thing as a down period for Disney anymore. Like, I mean, you, you were there in August. Was it August when you were there? Yeah. Was it, it wasn't uh, hyper crowded, but it was still pretty crowded, right? Yeah, this was actually August two years ago because last August we did Universal, ah. but we always go in August and it's never it's never that bad weekends. Now at Universal, I can say there was a definite difference between doing the weekend and doing the weekday at Universal. Um, I don't remember with Disney because with Disney, we really tried to plan it only for weekdays, unless it's like something where we're going to be meeting you there and you're only there Saturday. We're going to do the weekdays. It's like silly to try to beat the local crowds yeah but to, um, to, to give you an idea of like how quote uncrowded august is uncrowded means like 45 minutes to get on pirates of the caribbean an hour to get on space mountain like the the days and i've had a few days where it's been july or august and it's so hot 
that maybe at three o'clock people go back to their hotel. I'm just showing up as a local and you could sneak on some rides. I've had that experience. Universal has down days. Like Disney has arranged it. So somebody's on school vacation somewhere every week. Universal might have times where it's, I don't want to say empty, but we, you can walk on a lot of things within 15 or 20 minutes. Um, yeah. So what do you tell parents when they're planning their first Disney trip? You are not going to see everything. Don't expect it. And really, which kind of sucks when you're spending, you know, three to $10,000 for a vacation, but just lower your expectations and remember the good we do not do. And this has a lot to do with my husband because he does, he hates lines. He will not wait in line for nearly anything. We don't do rides without the fast pass. So I'm awake on the 30 day mark, getting the tickets for the rides that we really, really want to do that are must see. Um, we split up a lot because my daughter is a huge roller coaster fanatic and Alex is not. So TJ and Alex will go off and go shopping or go eat or do something else. And me and Ashley will wait for Space Mountain or the Toy Story roller coaster, which was a huge disappointment. And it was like a hour and a half wait because it was right when Toy Story Land opened up. And it was like, this was it. It was like a carnival roller coaster. It just wasn't good. Right. So um, we take. But yeah, just it's that you're not going to do everything to make the most of the moments that you're creating. Yeah, that's pretty similar to what I tell people. The first thing I tell them is uh, don't stay on property. (laughs) I I, I don't think the benefits of staying on property, uh, which the biggest benefit is that you can book fast passes 60 days out. That That is an advantage, but I found that with the exception of the absolute newest things that offer fast passes, in general, if you book most of your fast passes and you keep checking, you'll find a fast mm-hmm. pass for what you want. And that includes the Avatar rides uh, at, at uh, Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, it, and how, and, yeah. Generally, that's, that's true. Now, the other thing I'll tell people is accept that you're going to wait in line and decide what you're willing to wait in line for. So I went a few weeks ago with the idea of doing rise of the resistance and i don't know if you know how rise of the resistance works but you have to get to the park at an hour before open so i had to get there at 7 a.m on a saturday meaning i really had to get there at 6 30 because you have to be inside everyone in your group has to be with you so i met my cousin and his son and then there is sort of a mad dash at one hour before opening to grab what's called a boarding group and we're not entirely sure if it's a lotto if it's first come first serve but we were lucky enough that my cousin got a boarding group. So we actually only had to wait about 90 minutes. We were one of the early groups. Uh, so we went and got some breakfast and were on the ride, left the park by one o'clock. On the other hand, we had come previously and I wanted to ride the Millennium Falcon ride. And I went in with the attitude of anything else I do today is gravy. Because again, I'm a local with a pass, so it's not that important, but you can apply this to your vacation in a broader sense. If what you really want to do is the Millennium Falcon ride, understand that it might be a 90 minute wait. And that's the one you're going to wait for. If you don't really want to do Tower of Terror, well, choose to not wait for that and only ride it if it's available. We go with the logic of 
there's a lot of cool stuff to do that isn't rides. It's fun to walk around the World Showcase in Epcot. It's fun to watch some of the silly productions at the castle or some of the Star Wars events in Hollywood studios. Uh, and go in knowing as much as you possibly can. So have you been at Disney and heard someone ask where Harry Potter is? Yeah, I think I have. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it amazes me how many times I've been at Universal and someone do, is looking for Star Wars or they're oh, looking God. for Nintendo, which isn't going to be built for like four years. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, so websites like yours, you should be, if you're planning a Disney trip, ingesting as much stuff as possible uh, and go in knowing that, okay, my kid likes these things. Let's prioritize those. Let's get fast passes for those. I have a little kid. Uh, these rides have a parent handoff, so I can ride Space Mountain, and then my spouse can ride. Yeah. We could hand off the kid. I don't know if Space Mountain has one. I won't get on that ride. Um, but something Space like, Mountain does, yes. Something like Forbidden Journey, which is an amazing ride. It's a Harry Potter ride. Uh, you oh. wear a harness. It's, it, that has a parent handoff. So if you have a little kid who's yeah. too young to go, you can still experience that ride. But yeah. know as much as you possibly can. That will save you money, too. Because in, in a lot of cases, you can eat the same thing cheaper if you're sort of careful about where and how you eat. Uh, there's a lot of tricks uh, like the refillable soda cups you can buy that if your family is happy sharing a soda cup, you can get away with, you know, $14 for all your drinks for the day, which is, you know, a bottle of soda is like five or six bucks. So you're getting there or a bottle yeah. of wa water or whatever you're buying. Um, so what is your favorite Disney ride? Uh, wow, that's <laughs> a really good question. <laughs> um, I loved Space Mountain. I would have enjoyed it more if my daughter wasn't crying on it. Um, okay, that was yeah. her first indoor roller coaster. But I remember like years back when I went, I loved it. Um, I, you're going to laugh at this one because it goes back to Pixar. But one of, oh, actually, this is, this is, fairly easy epcot is my favorite park and i'd say my two favorite rides are probably finding nemo and soaring that's so um finding nemo i can't agree with you on but it's, yeah, it's, a, I knew you it's, it's a it's a little outdated uh and soren is technically a marvel and i know i shouldn't be scared but i always feel like i'm gonna fall out of the seat and that my shoes are gonna fall off i i, I do okay. not I ride that ride every time I go to Epcot, but I don't enjoy it. Alex wouldn't get on it. He was so scared of it. Yeah, um, and I, I understand you know. that uh, because you are, like, it wouldn't bother me that much if I was in the lowest group where you're only, like, a foot or two off the ground. Yeah. But sometimes if you're in the back group, you're, like, 30 feet in the air, and all you have is kind of a lap bar in front of you. And it's, it's I know you're not going to fall out, but it's not a sensation I enjoy. Um, yeah. Because... I'm fine with that, that sort of technology. You know, at Universal, Forbidden Journey is probably my favorite ride. You're wearing a shoulder harness. Your feet are actually loose. But I was in it once when it broke and the lights came on, and you're actually only like six inches above the ground. So, yes. so even if you fell out, it wouldn't be that bad. Whereas with Soren, yes. I understand how high I am. I would say my favorite ride for one time 
is Rise of the Resistance. It's a marvel. It's 16 wow. minutes long. It's, I forget how many, four or five different rides within a ride. You're literally in different ride vehicles more than once. Um, the, the technology is incredible. But in terms of repeat rideability, it's kind of a contest. The Millennium Falcon is really fun, but if you don't wait in line, you always get Engineer, which is the least fun of the three positions. Um, uh. Star Tours, I think, is, is still really a lot of fun. What are your Star Tours thoughts? I don't know if I've ever rode it, actually. Oh, really? So Star Tours is a simulator. You're on... You're on a shuttle being piloted by R2-D2, and it has different okay. scenes every time. So there's like 300 scenes in the blender, and they combine them different ways. Sometimes, like when a new movie comes out, they might fix one of the scenes. So maybe you'll be on, you know, Jakku, the planet from the, the first movie of the new trilogy. Maybe you'll, you'll be on a scene from one of the games or something. But you can ride it 10 times in a row and it will be mostly different every time. It's kind of a violent ride in terms of it's a simulator that shakes you a lot. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a tiny bit outdated, but I've done it, you know, 20 times in a trip. The other one I'll throw out there um, at, at Hollywood Studios and then we'll, we'll move to what might be the best ride. Um, the other one at Hollywood Studios is Toy Story Midway Mania is really fun. Yes. Love that one. Now, I have to, with, with your asking me my favorite Disney ride, I have to add the disclaimer that due to, you know, TJ not liking rides and then having a little one who doesn't enjoy those thrill rides, I have never rode Avatar. We haven't been to Star Wars Land yet because that would be coming this August and hopefully we still will be. Um, so obviously I think probably I'm going to say Avatar at some point as far as favorite, but yeah, Midway Mania, so much fun for the whole family. Not a long wait for that one either. I remember getting off the ride, grabbing a fast pass for it and getting right back on it. Yeah, th there usually is a long wait that, that because of where it's located in the park, uh, sort of right at the front that tends to be like where people congregate quickly. Uh, but that's absolutely uh, a, a we wrote it. I remember riding it like three times in a row and just trying to, you know, we're hyper competitive and like video games and everything too. So it was super fun to team up two against two with my family. And yeah. And, and for those of you who, who don't know, it's a shooting gallery game. So it's a, it's very interactive. You're pulling this little thing back to shoot. You're, you're sort of whizzing around in the seat. It's, it's a lot of fun and a little bit different every time, even though it's the same ride every time. Pandora, yeah. so there's two rides at Avatar Land. There is the one that's the same boat ride you go on in Mexico, except it has like millions of dollars worth of like fancy lights and no story. That one I waited in line for two hours to be really disappointed at how boring it is. Um, the second one is the one we are riding on the back of the blue monsters from Avatar. I forget what they're called, having never seen Avatar. And it's amazingly cool. And you're in sort of like a motorcycle-like position. Um, but that said, there is no story to it. So I don't think it's as good as Millennium Falcon simply because it's just pretty. Like it, it's cool and you're soaring and you're flying and it feels all these great sensations, but kind of nothing happens. So I don't know. I know I'm not. Uh, now, have you done, uh, have you done Mission Space? Yes. Have you done I the like that one. 
I that was probably the closest I ever came to crying at Disney because of the kids, but it was because now you know that ride and you're not a big thrill ride person either. It's not that bad. It's just kind of which like one, yeah, you're in Which food. one did you do? We did the green one. Oh my, the kids were upset on that one. Alex Alex was Ashley was like I want to ride the red one next and I was like you know green wasn't even that great and I'm traumatized from having Alex on it can we not right now knowing we'll be back to Epcot it'll still be there but that is that's a mild ride but it was a lot of fun um I'm dying to try the red one now to hear to hear you tell it but yeah Alex freaked out and we're trapped on there and there's no way out and i'm trying to engage him by telling him look we're gonna you know save the universe look you have to hit that button you need to do that and he's just crying and crying and so for people who've never done this ride it's like it's a it's a it's a flight simulator the green version is sort of a trip around the earth and it's very mild um it's it's cool it works a lot like soren in that it's the screen that's doing most of the movement um, and it, they've intent, intentionally kept it uh, not intense because when, these, when this ride first launched, there were a lot of complaints. The red side has the most disclaimers of any ride I've ever been on. They, they tell you, oh my God, you're gonna... I was terrified the, the, the first time I did it. Uh, and, and I did it because a friend I- insisted. And in my opinion, if you follow the directions, I don't find it intense at all. Like when you get off, it's a little, you're a little disoriented, like your, your legs are not quite under you. And there is a point where you're, when you're launching, where you feel like a pressure on your chest, which is, you know, meant to simulate the G-forces, but it's by no means a crushing pressure. Um, I yeah. think that ride is super fun, but I know a lot of people that get sick on it and won't do it. Uh, so, uh, so as we close this out, uh, I will throw it out. First thing you eat or first thing you try to get when you go to Disney. Uh, See, I'm surprising you with all of these here. <laughs> yeah, you are. Because I have to think back because it's been two years. It's not like I just went last year. So, like, right now my head is going to butterbeer. And I know that's universal, but it's like, well, yeah, the butterbeer. Um, what do we usually do when we first go in? We go to Epcot. We literally walk in, go to Epcot, ride Finding Nemo, because there's never a wait for that one, get our fast passes for Soren. And then I want to hit usually either Germany for a beer or um, what was the name of the drink we had when we went? There were these tropical sunset or something, this Japanese drink that was so good. And I had like five of them at, <laughs> at, um, in Japan. So, yeah, it, it's the food and the drink at Epcot. That's like the first thing that I always go for. Yeah, for me, it's not usually the first thing I get, but the uh, the frozen drink in France, there's a little kiosk that has a, and I'm not usually like a frozen slushy drink kind of guy, but it's it's not sweet and it's very, it's not, you know, your typical uh, like margarita. It's, it's a little more subtle. Yeah. But if it's earlier in the day, I will usually not have coffee and we'll go to the ice cream place in France where you can get an iced cappuccino with a scoop of ice cream in it, which... I wouldn't do that a lot of places, but if you're at Epcot and you're walking 28,000 steps a day, you can, you can usually get away with it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Joshua will usually insist on uh, doing uh, lunch in China and that that's his choice. My pick would, would usually be Japan though. Frankly, it's all, 
fairly yeah. mediocre compared to what you can get outside the park. Um, yeah. Know, Disney has a lot of great restaurants. Most of them are not casual. <laughs> the, the, you know, if you sit down in Canada at the steakhouse, you're going to spend 300 bucks, but you'll get a good steak. If you yes. get something from the takeout kiosk, uh, there are exceptions. It's, it's, I mean, Disney is closed right now, but if it was open, it would be Garden and Arts Festival. And there's lots of pop-up kiosks with great stuff. Uh, so yeah. Don, tell people what else is on your website as we close this out. Uh, and then I will, uh, I don't know, I'll end the show. Uh, what else is on the website? Well, we cover technology. Lately with the pandemic, I've been um, covering some work at home tips, kind of like the article that you wrote. So anybody working from home with kids, I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that and a little bit more about productivity. We have TV and movies, um, a lot with a sci-fi fantasy slant, but not all. We're trying to offer something where our, our philosophy is that you can be a geek about anything that you're passionate about. So it's essentially covering the passions of me and my team. So we have do-it-yourself stuff, um, you know, crafting gaming from video games to board games one of my founding editors is a dungeons and dragons fan so we cover that um we cover a lot about space travel and what spacex is doing um and lots of i haven't ironically enough put up any avengers content yet because we just launched in january but that's going to be coming as part of our self-isolation survival guide where we're going to share all the movies because now's the perfect time for an avengers marathon um, I, I was going to say, it's very daunting. And the website is geektravelguide.com. Um, it is very, oh, .net, sorry. Uh, it is very daunting to sit down and watch 21 movies that make up the Avengers story. And I would argue that you probably shouldn't because I would say they got progressively better from the second Captain America on. Um, I'm a huge yeah. Iron Man fan. The first one, I didn't find that entertaining. The second one, I found pretty silly by about halfway through the saga, uh, and, and, and I think it was uh, the second Captain America movie, they became amazing. That was the one that, if you remember, was tied into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where the movie yeah. came out on a Friday, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. aired on Sunday, and the entire plot of the television show changed to meet what happened in the movie, um, yeah. which is just amazing to do. And when you see sort of the blueprint they had and how they paid this off. It's sort of the opposite of what they did with Star Wars. With Star Wars, they let three different, you know, sort of auteurs. It ended up being only two because J.J. Uh, Abrams came back. But the guy who made the movie in the middle was not coordinated with the guy that made the first movie and the third movie. And they had to walk back some stuff. Everything in Avengers appeared to be meticulously planned out. And I'm sure you could find some things that yeah. were dropped. But for the most part, things that seemed like they didn't mean anything came back and were very, very important. And the few things that are unresolved, we will probably get the answers to that in the sort of next range of movies. Um, maybe the next Spider-Man, the, uh, the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Uh, which, which are, what are you most looking forward to when movie theaters go back to normal and we get a cartoon superhero movie? Is there one you're excited about? Uh, Spider-Man. That. Yeah, I don't even think they've announced it yet, but the last one was so no, good. No, but the, the whole story um, with Tom Holland crying to the Disney execs that, please keep Spider-Man as part of the Avengers universe. I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go to Sony um, was 
was fantastic and I can't wait because what a cliffhanger the last Spider-Man was. Well, yeah, what had, are they going to do with that? And had they not made that deal, they wouldn't have been able to use the vast majority of characters in that movie. Uh, is, it, so most people don't care about rights, but it's a really weird thing where when Disney bought Marvel, Marvel had already licensed out certain characters to other studios. Disney bought a, load, a lot of those back, uh, the X-Men, for example, when they bought Fox's movie assets, but Sony owns Spider-Man or has the rights to Spider-Man. They had loaned it essentially to Disney. They co-produced the, the most two recent Spider-Man movies and let Spider-Man appear in the Avengers movies. Uh, and they were, it looked like that was not going to continue. Now it's going to continue for at least one more movie. So we'll get some resolution as to sort of what happens when, yeah, Spider-Man's secret identity was just said uh, publicly and he was portrayed as the bad guy. So it goes back to that sort of comic book idea where, Spider-Man might be trying to do the right thing, but because of how other people see him, he's not always the hero. And that is probably way more than any person listening wanted, wanted to know. So I'm guessing a lot of people have tuned out. Uh, but Dawn, th thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. I'll I'm talk to you soon. I'm Dan Klein. This is I'm Bored. And remember, it's a work in progress. <laughs> so we will see you uh, tomorrow. Uh, and thank you for listening. Thank you both.